Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to have you with us today. And I got to say, I really appreciate that song from our worship team. Uh, and I love seeing those pictures and videos of the global mission trips uh, Plum Creek sent out this year. We sent teams to Guatemala and northern Africa. And you can just tell in those images that uh, those guys had a great time as they went out to spread the good news about Jesus. That is actually a perfect tie-in with today's message. Our sermon is called The Joy of Spreading the Good News. And it's interesting. If you open the Bible and read through the Christmas story, you will find joy all over the place. This week, I was reading through Luke chapter 1 and 2, and that's where you find the classic Christmas story in the Bible. And I was really struck by all the different references to joy. Over and over, Luke talks about someone having joy or someone rejoicing. You got Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, John the Baptist, in the womb, leaps for joy. It's kind of an amazing thing. But you know what's cool? This joy is not limited to a small group of people who lived 2,000 years ago. This joy is for everyone, everyone today, including you. That's what the angel said to the shepherds in Luke Chapter 2, verse 10, on the night Jesus was born, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So the good news of Christmas is for everyone. This joy is for all people. You know, it feels good to be invited to a party, doesn't it? Man, everybody loves to be invited. No one, no one wants to be left out. Nobody likes to feel like you're on the outside looking in. And most of us know what it's like to, to feel like an outsider, right? You've probably been there. Can you remember a time in your life where maybe you saw this inner circle of friends and you really wanted to be a part of that group, but for one reason or another, they didn't let you in? I've had times like that. Uh, one example that came to mind was a uh, long time ago when uh, I was in seventh grade. Uh, at this time, I played basketball for my school. And I've mentioned before, I went to a very small Christian school. In fact, we were so small, they combined the middle school basketball team with the high school team. We played together. And this particular memory of mine, it's not something that happened while I was playing. It actually happened during a timeout. Our coach called the team together so he could go over the next play. And all the players crowded around tight, except for one. I was shut out of the circle. It was too tight. And I was just standing there on the outside. And I felt so awkward. The whole crowd was looking at me. It was not a fun moment. But then, something amazing happened. Our star player was a senior named Mike DeMuro. And Mike looked around and he noticed that I was on the outside. And he reached out with this big arm, grabbed my jersey, and pulled me to the center of the circle. Man, that felt so good to go from an outsider to an insider. So I know from experience the joy that comes from being invited into the inner circle. 
As we go back and look at the Christmas story this morning, I want, to pay, I want to pay special attention to a group of outsiders who became insiders. I want to look at the shepherds this morning. And this is an amazing part of the Christmas story because their story can become our story. Now, we'll get to them, but first, we need to look at the context Uh, At the end of last week's sermon, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was still pregnant. That was Luke chapter 1. And as we move into Luke chapter 2, we get to the heart of the Christmas story. Let's read here, Luke 2 verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, I want to pause here um, because I want you to remember that name, Caesar Augustus. Uh, You may know that he was the Roman emperor, the the leader and the head of the Roman Empire. You may also know that the Roman census was the reason why Mary and Joseph traveled from Nazareth up north down to Bethlehem in the south. And then it was in Bethlehem that the Son of God entered the world. Luke 2 verse 6. While Mary and Joseph were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Like I said, this is the heart of the Christmas story. It's one of the greatest events in history. God himself came to this planet as a helpless human baby. Meanwhile, 1,400 miles away, Caesar Augustus had no idea that the one true God just showed up in this world. Now, hold that thought because we need to focus on the shepherds for a moment. Here's what we read in the next verse. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. All right, so what do we know about these shepherds? Not much, really. Uh, We don't know any of their names. Uh, We do know that none of them were rich or powerful. Uh, They were kind of the blue-collar workers in that society. And we we know that shepherds also... they weren't very popular. They, they weren't respected among Jews in the first century. People said, you can't trust those guys. They're, they're not reliable. And of course, it didn't help that their jobs made them ceremonially unclean. That, that kept them out of uh, many of the Jewish religious rituals. The bottom line is, the shepherds were not in the inner circle. They weren't even in the outer circle. They were just outsiders, complete outsiders. And that's why it's so amazing that God chose the shepherds to be the first ones to hear the good news about Jesus. Seems like God was sending a message here. You see what he's doing? God is kind of like Mike DeMuro. He reaches out and pulls the shepherds into the inner circle. Let's see how that happens. Luke 1 verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, let's get the picture here. At the beginning of this encounter, there's only one angel, right? Plus the blinding light of the glory of the Lord. And I don't know exactly what the glory of the Lord looked like, but I know this combination of angel and glory, it was terrifying. But then the angel said, it's okay. It's okay. I'm actually here to bring you good news. And then he tells him about Jesus. He says, the birth of Jesus is good news that will bring great joy to all people. And then all of a sudden, this big army of angels show, show up. They, they jump in with this song of praise. They're saying, glory to God, peace on earth. And for most of us, those words are so familiar that they just become commonplace. However, if you happen to be someone like, say, Caesar Augustus, the angels' announcement would have sounded like the beginnings of a political revolution. Okay, now hang, hang with me here because I've been looking forward to telling you about this all week. You see, back in the year 9 BC, just a few years before Jesus was born, in 9 BC, a certain group of Romans issued a proclamation to honor this guy, to honor Caesar Augustus. Now, this proclamation was written in stone, and today you can find this stone in a museum in Frankfurt, Germany. It's over there right now. The words on this stone should sound very, very familiar. The proclamation says, Caesar Augustus was sent as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war, that he might bring peace on earth. It also says, the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good tidings for the world. Joy to the world. I don't know about you, but this blew me away. I I don't think I had ever seen this before. These Roman citizens, years before Jesus was born, they said, Caesar Augustus is our savior. He's our God. He's the one who brings peace peace. His birth should be a day of celebration. We should turn it into a holiday. You know that's not a coincidence, right? It's like the angels in Bethlehem were saying, (laughs) not so fast, Caesar. There's only one Savior of the world, and you are not him. Now, if you look back in history, uh, you see that Caesar, he, he really was an amazing leader. He brought an end to the Roman Civil War. He increased the wealth of the empire greatly. And he did usher in a period of peace. It's called the Pax Romana. It lasted for hundreds of years. However, there were serious limitations to what Caesar Augustus could accomplish. And this is very interesting too. Um, There's a, a Greek philosopher named Epictetus. And years after Caesar Augustus died, Epictetus, he made a very interesting observation. He said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he's unable to give peace of the heart. Peace from passion, grief, and envy. And we know that's true, right? 
No political leader can give true peace and true joy. But the angels in Bethlehem said, Jesus is going to do exactly that. He will bring real peace, real joy. The peace of Augustus was very different than the peace of Jesus. The peace of Augustus was all about the glory of Rome. The peace of Christ was about the glory of God. The peace of Augustus was just temporary. Roman Empire's gone. The peace of Christ is eternal. The peace of Augustus was bought with human blood. The blood of soldiers and of civilians. The peace of Christ was bought with his own blood. And that's kind of a strange idea, isn't it? How did Christ purchase peace with his own blood? Well, to answer that question, we have to fast forward a few years. This baby Jesus, he he grew into a man. This man became a, a great teacher, a great miracle worker, but he was far more than that. He was the perfect son of God. He never sinned. He never committed any crime. But then he was treated like a criminal. He was executed on a Roman cross. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul explains what this was about. He says, Jesus made peace somehow through his blood. And what what kind of peace are we talking about here? We're talking about a peace between God and people. And why did we need that peace? Well, at one time or another, all of us sinned against God. And every sin is an act of rebellion. Every time we break God's law, it's a declaration of war. It's, it's, it's a way to say, God, I do not want you to rule over me. I do not want you to be my king. And because of our rebellion, which we're all guilty of, we deserve punishment. We deserve to be cast out of God's presence, separated from him for eternity in hell. That's what we deserve, and that is bad news. But here's the good news. Even while we were sinners and rebels, God still loved us. And because of God's great love for us, he sent Jesus to die on the cross to take the punishment that we deserve. And with his blood, he bought peace. So this is the good news that brings great joy for all people. But does that mean that now everyone, everywhere has peace with God? Well, Paul explains this too in Romans chapter 5. And this is important. He's writing specifically to Christians here. And he says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we, who's we? That's followers of Jesus. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So who is it that has peace with God? Is it everybody? Actually, no. It's those who have been made right in God's sight by faith. 
We're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus, the war is over. And this is how you get pulled back into that inner circle, into a healed and restored relationship with God. And this peace, it's a gift. Jesus bought it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to earn it. But you do have to receive it. The good news of Christmas brings joy to all people if we're willing to receive it. And it's amazing, isn't it? This peace and joy, it's available to everybody. Not just the cool crowd, not just respectable people, not just people who look good. This good news is for outcasts. It's for outsiders. Jesus wants to pull everyone into the circle. And yes, that includes you. And just a quick side note, I am praying that Plum Creek will follow the example of Jesus here. I'm sure you know that all too often uh, a person will come to church and kind of feel like an outsider. You've seen that, haven't you? Uh, All too often someone will come to church and and feel like there's some inner circle that they they can't be a part of for, for whatever reason. We've all probably felt like an outsider at church at one point or another. But you know what? We need to be more like Mike DeMuro. We need to keep an eye out for the person who feels like an outsider. And and when we see that person, we need to reach out, pull them in and say, hey, this good news is for you too. You're invited into the inner circle. And I am praying hard that Plum Creek will be a church that helps people see this, helps people understand that the good news is for everyone. Okay, we need to go back and finish our story. Let's get back to those shepherds. Luke 2.15 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So after everything the shepherds had seen and heard, there was only one thing left to do. There was only one thing that made sense, and that was just to leave right then go find this baby they, they had to see the messiah in person so that's what they did they went and found him and it was just like the angel said jesus was wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger he he was sleeping in a feeding trough apparently though the shepherds didn't spend much time hanging out at the manger look at verse 17 When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So these guys didn't mess around. The shepherds were dying to tell everyone they could about Jesus. And understandably, everyone who heard their story was amazed. And you know what's really cool about this? The cool thing is, all of us have Every reason to be just as excited as these shepherds. Because the good news is just as exciting for you and me today as it was for the people in Judea 2,000 years ago. We just need to shake off the familiarity of the Christmas story and realize what the arrival of Jesus meant for us. Jesus brought peace 
between us and God. And man, if God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter who's against us as long as we have peace with God. That's great news. So is it sinking in this morning? This is so much more than a story. This is what we long for more than anything. We see the brokenness in this world. We, we want that to be healed. We see the brokenness in ourselves. We want that to be healed. We see the broken relationship between us and God. We need somebody to save us. We can't do this. We can't fix everything or really much of anything. And that's who God sent. He sent a Savior, someone who brought peace and joy. If we receive this good news, you can have that peace and joy. It begins right now, but the best part is it continues on into eternity. That's news worth sharing. So here's the bottom line. If you want to find peace and joy this Christmas, just do what the shepherds did. First, receive the good news, and then go share the good news. I talked about receiving the good news. This is about coming to Jesus in faith, surrendering your life to him. But we can't stop there. If Jesus is truly our Savior, if he's really changed our lives forever, we're going to share the good news. And we won't think about it as an obligation or a duty. Nobody had to tell the shepherds to go tell people about Jesus. It just came naturally. They were so excited about it. It, it just happened. And the same thing should be true of us. At Christmas, we learn that sharing the good news, it brings joy for others and for us. This is the fun part of following Jesus. There are so many different ways to share the good news. We can do that with our words. We can do that with our actions. I, I love what I see when, when someone shares the compassion of Christ with no strings attached. That kind of love sends a message about our great God that he invites everyone into the circle. I want to close by giving you some tangible examples of people sharing this good news that brings joy. A couple of months ago, many of us here at Plum Creek accepted something called a kingdom challenge. We, we chose an envelope like the ones you see on the display in the back of the room here. And every envelope had a special mission inside. Uh, some had a local focus and, and some had a global focus. And over the past couple of weeks, since the end of our 60-day challenge, I've been hearing a lot of great stories. I wanted to share a couple of those stories with you today. Uh, first, I want to read you a text that I got from someone who accepted one of our global challenges. It was global challenge number eight. Participate in a group conversation with a local international student. And just a little backstory here. This particular student that I'm talking about was someone I met uh, early in the year at the perspectives class. I was really impressed with this young man. And uh, for several reasons, it's, it's best if I don't uh, give you his real name. So we'll just call him Z. Z grew up in the country of Qatar, which is right next to Saudi Arabia. And he is a passionate follower of Jesus. He's passionate about sharing the good news wherever he goes. Uh, he, he lives right next to NKU, and, and Z and his roommates host a weekly Bible study, and, and many of the students that come to this study are not followers of Jesus. And then this past summer, uh, Z spent several weeks in Egypt doing mission work, which is not an easy place to do mission work. 
But then he also has this joy that is contagious. I mean, really contagious. So our group conversation, it happened next door in the Life Center. And it was me, Z, and everyone who accepted this global challenge. And here's the message I got from one of the participants. He said, hey, Doug, just wanted to say how blown away we were last night with Z's testimony. What an impressive young man. In regards to his faith, he is mature well beyond his years. His passion for reaching lost people was truly inspiring. To hear about where he came from, how God has moved in his life, and what he's already doing to reach the lost made a profound impact on myself and my wife as well. If we could all have that same fire, what a change we could make in God's kingdom. This global kingdom challenge has been awesome. We've been challenged to expand our mission worldview and to be a blessing to others because of how blessed we are. We're definitely signing up for the upcoming Perspectives class starting in January, and also myself and one of my daughters signed up for the Honduras trip next summer, and we're very much looking forward to it. This will be the first experience for either of us to participate in a trip like that. Thanks for this challenge. I love getting texts like that. And by the way, as someone who took that Perspectives class earlier this year, I really want to encourage you to consider this. Uh, this course will change the way you look at things. It will help you understand God's great plan and how you can be a part of it. Uh, if, you, if you are interested at all, I encourage you to go to plumcreek.org perspectives. You can learn more there. You can sign up. And uh, you'll want to do that this week because uh, the price goes up after Thursday. But back to my friend Z. Z reminds me of those shepherds. Because he had this amazing encounter with Jesus. And now he just goes around sharing the good news and spreading joy wherever he goes. And then he inspires others to do the same thing. But like I said, there are many ways to do this. I'll share one more Kingdom Challenge story with you. This one is from Darcy Houston. She accepted the local challenge where you raise a little bit of money. You go to a restaurant and you leave your server an extravagant tip and you ask how you could pray for that person. And it's been interesting. Uh, we've heard a lot of good stories from this particular challenge. But I'll let Darcy tell you her story in her own words. Let's watch this. So good morning. My name is Darcy Houston. I have been a member at Plum Creek for about 15 years. And Doug invited me to share our Kingdom Challenge story from um, the month of November. And um, we kind of had a really neat experience. Um, our story actually starts the night before the Challenge Sunday where we were able to choose our challenges from the wall. Um, my husband and I had gone out to dinner at a local restaurant and I noticed while we were having our meal that our server had the same tattoo on her arm, left forearm, that I do in the same spot. It is a, a cross tattoo, and the only difference between the two was that mine is accompanied by my favorite verse, which is Philippians 4, 6. Um, do not be anxious about anything, but present your request to God with thanksgiving. Um, if you've known me at all on a personal level, I'm a little bit of an anxious girl. So it's a nice reminder regularly that I you know, always have the Lord to depend on. Um, she did not have a verse on hers, but she did mention that she chose that particular design 
um, because it represented strength to her because she had been through some things is what she said and she didn't elaborate too much and I didn't feel like I should ask her at that time so um, we just kind of you know laughed and you know shared a little bit um, about our tattoo and you know we finished our meal and went on our way and I didn't really think much more about it other than it was a neat experience. Uh, the next morning in Doug's service um, he was describing the Kingdom Challenge, the local and the global challenges and um, Jason and I were at church this morning and he um, or we chose to go to the local side and we kept our envelope sealed throughout the service and you know waited till we got home to open it and it was actually the challenge that Doug referenced during service about blessing a server um, and Jason was excited he was like oh that's the one I wanted and I was like that's so funny I felt the same way too um, and I hadn't even given a thought to the night before at that point but I had told the kids about the, the server that had the same tattoo as I do. And they were like, well, you know which server that you could bless. And I was like, you know, looking confused. And they said, oh, the girl last night that has the same tattoo as you do. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. That is the person that, we're gonna, that we need to bless. So um, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, we headed back down to the restaurant and she was working. I was so nervous she wouldn't be, <laughs> but she was there and um, it wasn't very busy and she waited our table and we had a nice meal again um, and I was a little bit nervous um, initially just of how to present this to her um, so I had written a note in a card and had included the money in the card and just said that you know um, that our church was challenging people to bless others during this time of the holiday season leading up to the holidays and um, just that, I would, that we had chosen her and that throughout the month that we had been praying for her and my husband said, you know, after we pay our check, he was like, you should just have her sit down with us for a minute because it wasn't that busy. And I did say that. I said, well, do you have a minute to sit with us? And she looked a little confused, a little taken aback by that. And she was like, oh, um, you know, sure. And so she did. I handed her the note and I said, we just have, you know, this, um, note to give you and she opened it and began to read the note and welled up a little bit with tears her hands were visibly shaking and you could just see the gratefulness um, on her face and she just kind of shook her head and she was like nobody has ever done anything like this before for me and you just don't even know what it means and she couldn't really talk much more I think she felt a little overwhelmed and so she got up and excused herself and went to the back and um, seeing her react to that, that blessing and that gift um, brought us more joy, I think, probably than maybe we even expected. Um, we got out to the car even. We're like, that was just the coolest thing. That's a, that's a special thing to experience as a family. And then also just, I wonder how many times that's crossed her mind since. And hopefully she will understand that the love of God is for everyone. I left my name in the card and, you know, so that she could contact me if she wanted and, you know, she would have a friendly face if she ever wanted to come here to Plum Creek um, or if she just needed someone to talk to about her own journey um, with the Lord. I just think it was an amazing experience and I think we were placed that Saturday night before in that particular restaurant with that particular server for this reason. And it was just neat to see God working in that way. It's, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Like, 
God can use a tattoo. Uh, He can use a generous tip. He can use a prayer. And he can use anyone who has received the good news to go out and share the good news. So how about you today? Do you need to receive the good news, maybe for the first time, to, to put your faith in Jesus, to give your life to him? Or do you need to go share the good news? Like I said, there's so many ways to do that. And we've given you this tool in the bulletin today, just a little invite card. You can be intentional about that. Between now and and Christmas Eve, pray about who it is that God would lead you to invite. And then reach out and invite that person into the circle. Let them know that this good news and this joy is for everyone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the good news It's better than we deserve, far better than we deserve. Lord, I thank you for loving us even while we were sinners and rebels. And Lord, I pray that we will be people who not only receive the good news, but that will also share the good news wherever we go. I pray that we will be a church that invites people into the circle. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. That happened at Christmas. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 